Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Today is Tuesday, October 22nd, 2019. On this day in 1966, teenager Jeannie Sims came home late and found her entire family struck by tragedy. While the Sims' violent and shocking deaths triggered a massive police search, the triple homicide remains unsolved to this day. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day, we flip back the calendar to this date years ago and recount one event from true crime history. Today's episode is part of our series on Halloween, where we delve into the fascinating traditions behind the world's scariest holiday. If you enjoy this episode of Today in True Crime, be sure to check out the rest of the ParCast Presents Halloween feed on Spotify. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today we're going back to October 22, 1966, the day that Robert, Helen, and Joy Sims were murdered in their home in Tallahassee, Florida. Their deaths, known as the Sims family murders, weren't discovered until their teenage daughter, Jeannie, came home from a babysitting job. Let's go back to Jeannie's gruesome homecoming late that night. Jeannie's hometown of Tallahassee practically shut down when Florida State had a game, and that night had been no different. But Jeannie didn't mind. She spent the evening at the neighbor's house babysitting their children. By the time she got home, after 11 p.m., she just wanted to crawl into bed and fall asleep. Jeannie knew something was wrong as soon as she walked in the front door. Her parents always waited up for her when she was out after curfew, her mom and dad should have been at the kitchen table, annoyed by the lateness of the hour, but they were nowhere to be seen. Jeannie hung her coat in the closet and heard the muffled sound of the TV playing upstairs. Her parents must have climbed into bed to watch the nightly news while they were waiting for her to get home. Maybe they weren't even mad. Jeannie climbed the stairs. With each step, she heard the TV getting louder. It was coming from her parents' bedroom. Jeannie pushed open the door and stopped still, stunned. She was paralyzed, unable to comprehend it. Her younger sister, Joy, lay sprawled across the floor, her wrists and ankles tied together, her mouth gagged. Her nightgown was scrunched up and her underwear down around her ankles. And 
She was soaked in blood. Joy was dead. Jeannie's mother and father lay on the floor beside Joy, also bound. There was so much blood on the floor, on her family. Jeannie couldn't even be sure who was the most injured or what had happened to them. All she knew was that this was wrong. All wrong. She didn't know how long she stood in the doorway, stunned into immobility. Perhaps she'd have remained frozen like that forever, if not for the strained rasping that shocked her back to reality. It was her father struggling to breathe. He was still alive. Now that she knew where to look, Jeannie could see the shallow rise and fall of his chest. She could still save him, but she had to act fast. Jeannie ran to the phone on the far side of the room. Jeannie seized the phone and dialed the emergency number she'd memorized for her babysitting job. It felt like an eternity passed before anyone answered. She blurted what information she could, split between the grounded reality of the phone in her hand and the hellish crime scene just a few feet away. Jeannie knew her family needed her, but she dreaded returning to their sides. Better to stay here on the phone. Better to quench her panic by focusing on one step at a time, one breath at a time, one sentence at a time as she explained what she'd found to the patient operator. Because as wild as it sounded, Jeannie recognized that her family were victims of an attempted mass murder. Coming up, Doctors scramble to save Jeannie's parents, and police search for who attacked the Sims family. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Now back to the story. On October 22, 1966, an unknown assailant broke into the Sims family home. The attacker bound and stabbed Robert and Helen Sims and their 12-year-old daughter, Joy, then left them for dead. The first person to find the crime scene was Robert and Helen's other daughter, Jeannie. She discovered the crime scene when she came home from a babysitting job shortly after 11 p.m. By the time Jeannie found her family, her sister Joy had already died. She called for an ambulance right away, and the driver, Russell Beavis, soon arrived with his 16-year-old son, Rocky. While Russell scrambled to revive the Sims, Rocky cut their bonds and tried to comfort Jeannie. Unfortunately, Jeannie's father died shortly after Russell's arrival, Only her mother, Helen, made it to the hospital. 
For nine days, Helen lingered in a coma. The police kept her under constant watch, knowing that if she ever woke up, she was the only eyewitness who could identify the killer. But she never regained consciousness. The Sims family murders shocked the people of Tallahassee. The community was so disturbed, Halloween trick-or-treating was canceled that year out of fear of further violent acts. A murder investigation launched immediately, but was hindered by police mistakes. They failed to properly secure the crime scene, so various neighbors, well-wishers, and amateur sleuths let themselves in and out of the Sims' home, hopelessly contaminating whatever evidence the killer left behind. Adding to the difficulty was the fact that the Sims were upstanding community members with no known enemies. Investigators questioned Helen's former employer and a troubled teen neighbor, but they were never considered serious suspects. With no evidence and no motives to go off of, the police had no leads. Because Joy, the youngest Sims daughter, was found with her underwear removed, the police suspected she was sexually assaulted during or after the attack. And because her stab wounds were more extensive than her parents, the police supposed she was the main target of the attack. But this theory didn't point them toward any suspects. Authorities were so bereft of theories, at one point they assembled a list of everyone who had checked Truman Capote's In Cold Blood out of the library, hoping that could point them to a potential killer. Their most intriguing lead was a 19- and 20-year-old couple who lived near the Sims' house. The pair were never publicly identified, but the man was reportedly obsessed with the Sims family, especially Joy. The woman had an unhealthy fixation with death, and prior to the murders had been known to visit funeral homes for fun. Although the police were suspicious of the couple right off the bat, it was ultimately another dead end. They weren't able to make any arrests without firmer evidence. After the murder, the couple moved out of Tallahassee, only to return two decades later in 1987. When the pair resettled in Florida, the woman reached out to Tallahassee police, claiming that she had something to disclose. But when the police called her in for questioning, the woman changed her mind and revealed nothing. With no confession and still bereft of evidence, the police were never able to name the couple as a suspect. The case file went back on the shelf. Over 50 years later, the Sims family murders remain unsolved. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on the Sims family murders, check out the episodes of Unsolved Murders, which delve deeply into the details of the case and offer some more theories as to the real killer's identity. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite 
favorite ParCast originals like Today in True Crime for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Travis Clark. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Angela Jorgensen. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 